When I was a kid, I wanted to be a lawyer when I grew up, and now I'm a travel journalist. Hi, I'm Ben Hanani. Welcome to How Do You Do, a podcast featuring creative guests sharing the nuances of their process. Just a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts is the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast. My guest today is Travis Levius. Travis is a freelance writer and editor, content creator, and hospitality consultant. After quitting his teaching job in Atlanta to pursue the unknown across the pond, he somehow stumbled upon a career that's brought him on Indonesian yachts, face-to-face with Easter Island's mysterious Muai, and in Princess, oh, sorry, and in Prince William and Princess Kate Honeymoon Here Villas in the Seychelles. His writing has appeared in Condé Nast Traveler, Travel and Leisure, CNN, Lonely Planet, Vogue, National Geographic Travel, and so many others. Without further ado, welcome to the pod, Travis. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. I mean, you, I think of all the guests I've had, I've had chefs, I've had architects, I've had writers. I think you have the dream job of all the people that I've had on the podcast. And I want to start by talking about your process creatively, how you do what you do, starting with, you know, when you get an assignment, like when you're told, hey, we want to send you to check out this hotel or check out this destination. What preparation and research do you immediately start doing once you get that assignment? Mm. Well, the beauty of it is, I don't think there's been one time I've been sent anywhere. So the beauty of a freelance travel writer is that I kind of make my own assignments. So it's either one or two ways. Either I think of a destination and I think, oh, there could be a story there or I want to stay there. So let me pitch the publicist and see if they'll sponsor me to write about it, to go there to write about it. Or um, the PR will find me and say, you know, there's a group press trip, come along to this hotel or cruise line or city and see what we have and then write a story. So I love that I have that sort of freedom to do that. And then I would then pitch to an editor um, any ideas I might have, whether I've been there or um, after the trip. And then that's where the story process goes. Yeah. So in the case of, let's say, you know, you, you're contacted about a group trip somewhere. Um, is there anything you immediately start doing or do you kind of do you, do you get there and, and then survey the scene once you're there? Oh, yeah, I do a ton. I think I do more than I guess many other journalists. Usually you receive an itinerary and I look at every single point of interest on that itinerary. And because and this is a blessing, like I get a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of pressure invites. So I have to call them to make sure that I feel like it's as amazing or I'll learn a lot or it's captivating. And if I feel like the itinerary doesn't really pique my interest or is not something that I think the editors would really um, grab, then I probably will decline. So I look for every single thing on the itinerary, see if maybe I can add more to it. And yeah, to see if it really fits me before I accept um, a trip like that. And on the flip side, if it's a situation where you found a destination that you think is cool, what are, what's kind of the criteria or any boxes you want checked before you make the decision to go out and check somewhere out? Well, for me, I cover luxury travel, so it has to be luxurious. So sorry <laughs> to the three star, you know, hostel, you know, sectors out there, but I need five star. Uh, that's just what I do. And I, I'm really big stickler for design. 
not only just for my own personal interests and I think other readers' interests, but I think on top of my journalism work, I do content creation. And of course, the more aesthetically stunning it is, then the better it translates on social media. So I look for those things. I think we've all been on Instagram and seen, you know, really fascinating hotels or, or cool shots of a city. Yours in particular are just, I think, next level. Like, as I'm going through my feed, whenever I see something that you've posted, I have to stop and really take it in. And I'm wondering if there's any any kind of strategy or thought specifically that you have when it comes to creating that feed and putting out that kind of content. Because I think as, especially as a freelance writer, I imagine so much of what you do is establishing, you know, this is who I am, this is what I can do for your publication, so on and so forth. And, you know, how you represent yourself on social and the content you put out is, I imagine, part of that. What kind of thought and strategy goes into that on your end? Sure. So on top of, you know, accepting anything that I think would be, you know, aesthetically, aesthetically awesome on the gram or what, elsewhere on social media, including YouTube, um, I, I think it's very, um, not emotional, but you just have a sense of a feeling that when you look at a place or you see um, or you experience something that if you say wow yourself, then other people are going to say wow, and it's up to you to then translate that. So I think, okay, maybe I'll do a photo here, I'll do a video here. How can I best capture what I'm seeing, what I'm experiencing, so that people can, I guess, experience this by getting in the place? I just try to translate um, to people, to audiences of those social media channels. I, I know of people who, when they immediately get to a destination, they'll like scout, like, what is the lighting like from this angle? What is this? How does this look like from this angle? Are, when you immediately get to a destination, are there any rituals or things you specifically are looking for in that regard? Mm. Yes. Yeah, so I try, it depends on where I am or whatnot, but I think about, yes, lighting. So I think about the time of day. Will me posing in front of this resort's pool outdoor pool will it be harsh lighting at noon uh will i be backlit so timing is i guess everything i think about crowds i think about okay if people are going to be in the spa you know the high the high time is 1 p.m then maybe i need to come there early so that i can have it to myself so i can have the time to create content um i think about one thing for me is i think about framing first so I feel like I'm secondary to any photo that I do. I think it's really about the scenery that I'm trying to capture or the hotel room or, or whatever. So before I do anything, I uh, will take my camera before I get on it and kind of just frame it and, and see if I have all the elements that I want in there first. And then I put myself into the picture just to bring a human element to it. So those are some of the, some of the things that I do for our strategy. And do you have a tripod or do you have any equipment that is like crucial that you take with you everywhere? I'm curious, like what are some of your travel essentials, both, you know, in terms of content creation and maybe just personal preference and things you enjoy having around as a convenience? Yeah, so I'm quite low tech, but I absolutely do take a tripod wherever I go. And I have a special um, smartphone head so you can attach it on top of a tripod and put your iPhone or Samsung, whatever you have on it and, and pivot. So if you need horizontal or vertical, you can do that with photo and video. That's been great. And um, another trick that I told people, because they asked me like, do you bring someone with you for all these amazing photos that you do? <laughs> so if I don't do my tripod, I actually just ask 
you know, if I'm at a hotel, I'll ask like a hotel staff member or if I'm traveling like a regular traveler. But the way for you to make sure you get the right shot all the time as you're like, depending on this person's, you know, aesthetic to, to get it right, is to just frame it for them first. So I would take my phone and say, here you go. Don't do it. <laughs> and then I stand in place. But it just it just helps with you kind of communicating like what you want in the shot if you're using other people. Because sometimes I, I um take shots that uh tripods can't can't cover. So as long as you know how to communicate with people what you want, that helps as well. But other than that, I'm very low tech. I'm glad you clarified that because that's something I did wonder as I was looking at your photos and videos is did he ask someone to take this like who because like so, like you said some angle i'm just like it would be tricky for a tripod to pull this off so it's it's nice that you've been able to find helpful strangers along the way to, <laughs> to help you out um and then okay so let's say you know you have your content you're sitting down to actually write about the destination you're at mm -hmm. what what's kind of like going through your head and what, what do you have in front of you as you're doing as you're doing a write-up like if i were to shadow you would I just see like a crazy Pinterest board that you're consulting? Would I see like your photos on one monitor? Like what, what does that look like when you're actually writing up about a destination? Sure. So first and foremost, I just collate all um, facts. So usually working on a travel assignment, I would get a fact sheet or a media kit or whatnot. And I would just get all those ducks in a row. And then I will create uh, two documents, one for the article writing itself, and then the other would be um, outline brainstorm. So any sort of like just brain vomit, I'll just put on to that document. Um, this is a Google Doc. And I would also then create an outline. I, I don't do anything unless it has an outline with it, because if you're doing a story, you need to kind of know how it's going to flow, how you want it to end. Um, you need to know exactly which important points you need to convey in your piece. So I'll always start with an outline. And then I try to kind of just plug and play facts within the outline as well. And then it's kind of like a, a puzzle. Then with those facts and going back to my um, usually like thousand, thousand pick video list of um, footage that I've gotten for, for each trip, I will look at it and kind of remind myself what I saw and, and try to convey those um, sights and those experiences in the piece. So I, I always tell people travel writing is just blending in facts and flourish. So, mm. you know, making sure everything is, um, is accurate, but yeah. make and but conveying those, th conveying those points in a beautiful way or conveying it, in, conveying it in your own way. And you can do the same with guides as well. I think travel, travel guide writing, people might think it needs to be very, that is not very imaginative, but you know, there's totally a way you can still add flourish and flair to your, your writing with guides as well. Yeah, one of the things I'm struck by is how when you go to a destination, you know, from you, I might see this beautiful, gorgeous video of this resort in the Maldives. And you, you know, you'll give your recommendations for what to do there. And at the same time, you'll write a piece like like the one you just came out with earlier this month that it's titled Maldives resorts are open, but things are hardly normal for employees. And so you're, you're while you're at this destination, I love how you're finding different angles into the spot you find yourself in. Do you find your writing process, what you just mentioned, you know, that blend of, of facts with the, with a story you're trying to tell that, that kind of goes hand in hand with both your longer form pieces and the guides. Is that, is that a correct thing to say? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. So when you're at these locations, like for example, when you were in the Maldives, did you just happen to come across that story as you were talking to employees at the resort or how did that come up? Uh, so it was uh, a blessing, I guess, the power of social media. So I did not go for that uh, particular piece. I actually went for CNN to cover what it's like to visit the Maldives. So what happened was, you know, a lot of people like yourself saw the footage that I put on social media, but it caught the eye of a lot of Condé Nast travel editors. And mm -hmm. so they, are start, they started a new series called um, The New Front Lines, which highlights workers in the hospitality industry during COVID. Like, how are they coping? How are the changes been? And they were like, uh, because the States is one of the very, sorry, because the Maldives is one of the very few places Americans can go to, they wanted someone to cover the Maldives and who better to cover the Maldives than a writer that went there and has stuff all over <laughs> social media. <laughs> so I think that's how they knew. And, that, and then they reached out to me to do that, that piece. And I, of course I, I said, yes. And that's how it happened. Hmm. Yeah. I thought that was a very powerful piece um, among, among many you've come out with but that really struck me. Cause I think as I was scrolling on Instagram and seeing, you know, gorgeous trips like yours, I, I didn't really stop to consider, you know, the people who are making that, you know, trip possible, those destinations possible. And that, that piece really resonated with me. Awesome. Um, yeah, I want to, I want to ask you about how you, how you think you've gotten good at this kind of writing and this content creation, because I think, you know, I, I was talking with food writers recently and I said, of course, everybody loves, you know, a good taco. But if you had to ask me to write about it, like what makes it good? I might, I might struggle with that. Um, and I imagine something is true. Something similar is true in travel writing where I'm sure we all enjoy a good trip, but it's one thing to enjoy a good trip. And it's another thing to be able to articulate, you know, what makes a destination so special. And I'm mm -hmm. curious how you think you've gotten good at that skill, both, you know, in print and digital, but also in content creation. Mm. Practice. And <laughs> one thing I tell my travel writing uh, workshop attendees or one-on-one -on -one coaches is to read, 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 read quality work and really inspect what professional writers, what types of words they're using and which words or phrases they're not using because travel writing unfortunately is very prone to cliches. So if you look at quality work at a top magazine or um, an anthology like Best American Travel Writing, you will see that they don't use words like amazing or hidden gems or something for everyone, you know? Uh, so I think just really paying attention to professional writing and then trying to, of course, um, emulate that in your own and uh, again just with practice i think that just helps um that just helps you improve everyone has to improve i can still improve every writer can improve right every writer has an editor uh, so i think just having that practice and having someone provide feedback that's a really great way to um, get better at your writing earlier in your career when you probably didn't have as much practice as you have now how did you find success in in you know getting your pieces published because for every young person out there trying to make it, they're up against someone like you who's, who's had, you know, mm -hmm. the, the breadth and depth of experience. So I'm curious if, if you have any uh, pieces of wisdom for young writers who are, who are in the process and the practice will come as they keep going um, in terms of how do they get their work published? Mm. I think if you feel like you are a natural born writer, lean into that. I did not go to journalism school. I didn't even know that I would be a travel writer or journalists for that matter. 
All I knew was that one of my greatest strengths ever since I was a kid was writing. You know, pretty good SAT scores on verbal. And um, <laughs> I love writing essays. And uh, funny enough, my first, I felt like my first sense of like following my passion was last semester of my senior year in college when I started writing uh, for music, a music magazine in my, uh, my alma mater. And um, I, read, I started a blog. And so I do, I do recommend people that if you enjoy writing, because you have to enjoy writing to be a travel writer, um, start a blog if you don't have any bylines yet, because editors absolutely do commission people that write well-written work on their own platform. It doesn't need to be freely WordPress or Squarespace. You can honestly just start it on medium.com for free, but have something to show for your work and pick a niche as well. So are you really into spas? Are you really into backpacking? Backpacking, are you really into family travel? Figure out what it is. So for me, I started out doing um, food and travel, but I lucked up because I was um, unpaid um, city London city editor for a major American website. So I actually wrote about London, 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 food, food, food. And then I transitioned into writing about food and travel in general. But if I didn't have that sort of background and, 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 and growth within culinary travel, then I probably wouldn't be I wouldn't probably have gotten my foot in the door the way I did. So absolutely have a portfolio and, and try to figure out what your passion is within the industry. And they, that can really speak volumes when you submit a pitch to an editor and think good things can happen from it. I was going to ask, and you just answered it, um, you know, luxury travel, how does one break into that specifically? But <laughs> because I'm sure many people would enjoy luxury travel as their niche, but it sounds like what you're saying is, in terms, you know, a young writer starting out, you don't need to start in luxury travel, even if that's where you're headed toward starting in something adjacent like food and then bridging out to food and travel. You can w make the steps toward luxury travel, for example, if that's the niche that one wants to be in. Is that right? Yeah, sure. And also, I think it's also just being a student of the industry. So if you are starting off and you're saying, I want to start and end in luxury travel, okay, well, which magazines are you reading right now? Are you subscribed to, or not even subscribed, or have you bookmarked travel trade uh, websites that cover luxury? Um, are you, you know, Googling what's happening, what's next, what's hot, what's, what's in, what's out as far as trends, as far as luxury travel? So it's about you taking the time to research so that you, become, you can become an expert and know what you're talking about and, and people can see that that is the interest of yours, especially if you can be in your writing and, you, and you're um, pitching something to an editor, but be a student of the sector within your industry. Hmm. Were there any um, specific writers or publications that you think were crucial as you were learning the form and, and getting better at your own writing? Crucial. Define crucial. Uh, crucial is maybe too strong of a word, but perhaps helpful or, or gave you a sense of guidance. Hmm. I would say working with Connie Nash Traveler. There are, there are great publications, you know, prestigious publications that, or not even publications, but outlets, even websites or whatnot. And you might submit something and you might not get any feedback. Maybe they'll change it themselves or they change nothing because they, I guess they thought it was so great. But it's so nice working in really most print magazines in general, um, travel or beyond, uh, because you have to get it right because you can't just change it online, can you, if it's print. 
but it's it's nice to have that sort of editor writer process where they really are trying to fine tune your work and make sure you're including things that need to be there or take out things that are unnecessary. So that's been a beautiful um, maturing process in terms of being a writer and just trying to perfect it. Uh, yeah, just to have that relationship has been really good. So I say Condé Nast Traveler, and that's who I write for the most in terms of print and, and a little bit of web, yeah. I'm curious, lastly, before we transition to rapid fire questions, in terms of when you're actually traveling and how, how you factor in, you know, which destination you want to visit next, do you, do you consider like, um, does it ever come on your radar whether this place is the safety of a place and whether you might feel safe there? So for example, when I travel somewhere, I'm of Middle Eastern descent. So before I go to any airport, I'll shave. That's just something I do. I'm on my best behavior. I want to look as presentable as possible. And that's just like a reality that I've chosen to live by because it makes me feel more comfortable in travel. Yeah. And um, but but generally speaking, I feel pretty good, especially because I have an American passport. Um, but I know I know that's not the case for many people. My girlfriend who's working on a project in the travel space, she was just talking to someone who said that a woman of color who told her that she researches whether a place is safe for people of color before she goes somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's not something I've had to do, but. Um, it definitely, you know, made me realize a blind spot I have. And even in my own personal life, there are moments where I feel a little trepidation. Like when I went to England a couple of years ago, I remember like feeling a little anxious as I was, you know, going through customs with this very old white English guy. And then of course he asked me, where are you going? And I said, Sherwood Forest, which is like the whitest place. It's like where Robin Hood is from. And he's like, oh, great. I, I went there like last year. Have fun. Bye. Cool. Um, but, but uh, you know, it's, it doesn't always go that smoothly for people. So I'm curious, how does that factor in to your, when you choose a destination and kind of the research you're doing about places? Gotcha. Well, yes, uh, traveling while black is a thing. Uh, people don't know. I am black. Hi. Hello. Uh, so for me, uh, I do do a bit of research in terms of race relations and seeing if you know people that look like me are they do they tend to feel welcome do they tend to have really bad stories but the problem is it seems like by people all over the world it's always um it's always a mix of experiences so for instance Mm -hmm. italy seems to be very um dynamic in terms of um treatment of black people so i've heard wonderful things from especially black women about Italy, like, oh, I, you know, the love that I feel from the men is awesome and it's great. <laughs> and I also hear countless um, incidents, incidences of, um, of racism, of, of someone getting up from their seat from the train because of what they look like or being actually, actually being asked to leave the store, whereas their white friends weren't asked to leave the store in, in, in like an Italian village, which is really sad. Um, the last time, I think the only time I, I was actually concerned, I wouldn't say afraid, but concerned if I would have been okay, was actually a pressure to Moscow, which happened last year pre-COVID. And um, unfortunately, it does have a bad rap in terms of homophobia and racism and whatnot. And I would say that weekend, it was only a weekend trip, being on the ground in Moscow, I actually had an amazing time. Also, maybe because I was in a bubble a bit with other journalists, but I had a great time. However, the airport was not a great time. they had people go through, um, you know, customs or whatever. And it was like a nine to 10 person press trip. Everyone was able to go. Everyone out of of my flight was able to go. But guess who was held back? I look around, it's me and like two other black guys. I don't know. 
in Moscow. So you have to you have to wonder like why that's so. Why are there like two hundred people that pass by? Why are we held back? You know what I mean? So it's it yeah. it sucks, but that is that is uh, how the world is. But hopefully it changes sooner than later. Yeah, and I I appreciate what you said about how many places you'll hear about mixed experiences. So there's nuance. You know, there's not just one. Usually, there's not just one consensus experience for a certain group of people. It's very possible that, you know, you know of people who have great experiences and others who have more troublesome experiences. Yeah, I was just personally curious because it's something I hadn't I hadn't really factored in as much. And I imagine as you're going from place to place to place, it's possible that thing kind of comes up. So it's it's I think it's important to hear about it. And I appreciate you sharing. No problem. On that complicated nuance note, we'll wind down with some <laughs> rapid fire questions. Uh, firstly, what's an app that you can't live without? Instagram. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Who would you like to play you in a movie about your life? And before you answer, I want to acknowledge that you were in a movie. You were in a Spike Lee movie. Yes. <laughs> you were in The Five Bloods. <laughs> what a crazy story that was. Yeah. What, what an experience. Um, yeah, getting to stand in for the, the late and great Chadwick Boseman. So, you know, if, I guess he was alive. I guess it would, it would be fitting to say I would like for him to play me. But, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, he'll be there in spirit for sure. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. I can't think of anyone. I can't think of anyone that like looks similar to me that I want to play. So I think I'll just play myself since I was, I was already in a Spike movie, right? Hey. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if you could wake up tomorrow having gained one skill or ability, what would it be? Productivity. Maximum productivity. Where is a place you haven't been to yet that you hope to visit? Bora Bora. What's a song you like to jam to right now? Say So by Carmen Rogers. Just came out like last week. I can't stop playing it. All right. And lastly, where can people find your work and keep up with you on social media? Cool. So my handle is Mr. Levius. That's M-I-S-T-E-R Levius. I'm on Instagram. I'm on YouTube, on LinkedIn, on Facebook. So you can reach out to me there. I have a website that's been... Uh, perpetually under construction, but I hope to have something out there in a few weeks. But until then, you can totally message me on any of the major social media platforms. Also, I'm on TikTok, which I'll be posting more of because people like my funny skits for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And if you're curious about the podcast, you can check us out on Instagram at HDYDpod. Travis, thank you for illuminating this awesome work you're doing. And I look forward to your exciting travels. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Ben. <laughs>